Welcome to MuggleCast episode 400, a landmark episode in our first of 2019. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Micah. And I'm Laura. Oh, as if today's episode wasn't special enough, Laura is also joining us full time Ah. beginning today. (laughs) Welcome, Laura. I'm so excited to be here, guys. Good. We're all excited to have you here. We're all excited that you're here. That's what I should have said. (laughs) (laughs) What is it like coming back to MuggleCast after all this time? It feels like homecoming. Honestly, it's, it feels like a very full circle moment because when I started the show, we were all in high school and now I've just turned 30. So I feel like I'm at a very different point in my life, but Harry Potter has always been the constant. Aww. So it's really nice to be back. Yeah, you only turned 30 like two weeks ago. How yeah. was your birthday? It was good. It was low key. Uh, my boyfriend got me a Hogwarts Great Hall Lego set. And we spent the whole day like gradually putting it together and watching episodes of The West Wing. Oh, wow. It was really great. It was fun. Was that a gift related to coming back to MuggleCast? Uh, I don't think so. He just knows I love Harry Potter. So, Oh, okay. (laughs) Nice. If that was me, I would have been like, since you're coming back. Here's a Hogwarts castle. And know. actually, we took these really great, like, staged progression pictures of the building process. Oh. And I would love to share those with uh, your patrons. Please does, do. Does it do, like, a time time lapse? Does it work like you can see it slowly stack up or something? No, it's not like that. It's more like stylistic pictures of the growth mm. of the Great Hall, if okay. that makes sense. Yeah, cool. Very cool. That sounds yeah, like an cool. ideal birthday, to be honest, right? At Legos and West. It was great. <laughs> you could almost even frame it as reconstruction after the uh, Battle of Hogwarts. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Laura was the so, one responsible. There's a basilisk and everything. Mm-hmm. So um, it has been a couple weeks since our last episode. Christmas has passed. Did anybody get any other Christmas or holiday gifts? Related to Harry Potter? Yeah. Do you guys know uh, Harry Potter Codenames? Or do you know the game Codenames? They did a Harry Potter edition. It's awesome. And uh, cooperative, too. So instead of battling um, each other, trying to trick each other or give more clues than the other team, it's actually co-op. So it's kind of cool. So I saw Harry Potter Codenames in the store a few weeks ago. I was shocked that there was a Harry Potter one now. So I bought that as well. Well, Um, cool. Yeah. That's a really fun game. If anybody's looking for a good card slash kind of like a board game, sort of. Yeah, I guess it's a card game. Um, definitely pick that up. Uh, I got so I got a couple of those Pottery Barn teen. <laughs> What's so funny? Harry, <laughs> Pottery Barn teen. They're not for teens though. These this like at home merchandise. I got the gold animal hooks, and I got the fake bookshelf that like it looks like it's a a a single shelf of books but you can pull it down and there's a hidden compartment inside Mm. and i also got a very unique gift my brother likes to give unique gifts and um he was in new york probably about a month ago and he was out drinking whatever and he takes the train home it's like one or two a.m and the entire time he's taking the train back down to New Jersey, he's staring at this poster for Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can see where this is going. Yeah. Yeah. So he gets to his stop. 
he rips it off the wall. <laughs> and he gave it to me for Christmas. <laughs> and it's, it, it says, um, winner, six Tony Awards, including best play. And it's got a picture of Harry uh, played by whatever that guy's name is. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Parker. Jamie Parker, thank you. It's a it's a great poster. It's it's beautiful. It's like three feet long, I would say. <laughs> New Jersey Transit could not be reached for comment. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> yeah. is your brother now banned from taking New Jersey Transit? Now banned. I mean, did they really need a poster advertising the play? It's making plenty of money. It it didn't need this poster. You know, I get it. I get to say, um, I slightly more chill than your brother. I've been eyeing some of the CTA maps. You know, the last ten years I've been in Chicago. Oh yeah, the one, the really nice one. That's the grid of all Chicago and all the lines. And I haven't yet ripped it off the wall, but I always kind of want to. I have been thinking of doing that as well. Let's go together. <laughs> And we'll both take one and run. (laughs) You know, I approve of this. This is a very budget-friendly gift-giving idea. Yeah, yeah. My brother didn't pay for this. Yeah, (laughs) and yet I was so surprised. Yeah. Um, I told him though, I'm not going to hang this on my wall. Like, I like Harry Potter, but I don't love the Cursed Child. So, Uh, but I'm going to keep it. And I just put a photo in. That's actually pretty good condition for being on a uh, train. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah. And the edges aren't even ripped from where he pulled it up. Was it in a glass case or something? I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know. He did a great job, though. It's I... ready made for you to own this. Though. Andrew, That's... you know they are also advertising this play on the top of taxi cabs. So if you <laughs> want me to try and rip one <laughs> Collect off, Collect the whole set of, of transportation <laughs> advertising for Cursed Child. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is cool. So I'll I'll hold on to it. I also have to tell you guys, I. So I was home and catching up with my brother and I had heard that he had been going to New York. Actually, I think this is why he was in New York when he took this poster. He's been hanging out with a girl there and they had actually met (laughs) through Twitter, (laughs) which is, you know, what the kids do these days. They meet through Twitter. My my brother has actually met (laughs) multiple girls through Twitter. (laughs) But um, so he told me that on one of their first dates, <laughs> uh, he knew she was a big Harry Potter fan. So she's, he says to her, so do you listen to any Harry Potter podcasts? And she just goes, yeah, your brothers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what? Wait, what? Because he, she didn't know. He didn't know that she listened to Mucklecast for like weeks. So it turns out they met through Twitter because she follows me on Twitter. Her, na- her name is Chelsea. And um, she saw that Ryan liked one of my tweets. And then for whatever reason, she started following him. And then he started following her. And long story short, MuggleCast has started another relationship. It's just so beautiful. Aww. Um, yeah. On the subject of uh, Harry Potter gifts, though... Did you guys participate in our patrons' secret Santa? No, no. <laughs> you, did you hear? Did you see the posts that were? I did. I did. Okay, okay. I did participate this year, and uh, I have to say, I got a great gift uh, from my secret Santa, Asim, and I uh, really just want to thank Brittany Parks for taking the initiative, setting that up. It's the second year running. We had ninety-three people participate. It was a, a big success, and I just want to thank Brittany because she kind of handled all the coordination using Elfster, 
And it was kind of a logistical nightmare to have 90 separate people, you know, randomly getting addresses and all this other stuff. But uh, she handled it all. So I just want to thank her because that has concluded. If you participated and did not get a gift, you got to take it up with Elfster. But um, yeah, it's it's always it's, blaming the elves, Eric. Tis the season of giving. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a really, really wonderful thing. Yeah, definitely um, a great job uh, mm-hmm. by her. And while I didn't participate, I did get one of those heat-changing mugs, coffee mugs for uh, the holidays. Oh, so. oh, like the Marauder's Map? Yeah, exactly that one. That's cool. I lo- I love Who that was one. that from? From a coworker. And then my brother oh. also got me one, which is a bow truckle picket. Oh, okay. So they must have been a popular item this holiday season. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, um, to kick off Laura's, I don't know, new time on the show here, we asked patrons, what do you want to know about Laura in regards to her relationship with Harry Potter? Laura's dating Harry. <laughs> Always. Is he uh, the boyfriend that got you the Legos? <laughs> Shh. Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> it's a secret. So wait, was this first question from you, Eric? The Eric? From me? No. No. Oh, okay. Just a different Eric. If I want to know something from Laura, I'm just going to text her. Oh, yeah. That's true. All right. So, so Laura, everybody wants to know more about you. And I think, you know, we've had a, uh, many more people come onto the show since you were last on. So this is a good opportunity for people mm-hmm. who don't know you to get to know you. Here's our first question. Eric wrote, if Universal asked you to design a Harry Potter themed ride, what would you build? I love this question because I have always felt that... The Department of Mysteries was a a location in the Potter books that never really got delved into as much as it could have been. So I would love to see them create some kind of Department of Mysteries, either ride or like walkthrough experience so that we could learn more about it. Because as we've seen, the wizarding world is branching out and the medium that we use to learn about it now isn't just books anymore. Um, We're learning new information all the time through movies. So what better way to learn more about this location than to actually experience it? Mm. I love this idea. Um, It would be canon. (laughs) Yeah. That would actually be a fun twist for the theme parks these days. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, you want to know more about Harry Potter? Well, you got to come to the theme park to find out. (laughs) Yeah. Smart marketing. Next question is from Sydney. You get to choose to read the Harry Potter series from a different character's perspective. Everything else stays the same. Who do you choose and why? Snape. Like, how could you not choose Snape? You know? Yeah. I mean, because he he holds so many keys, right? There's so much knowledge that he had that we didn't as readers. And we got to kind of do that a little bit. I mean, we got to see certain things from his perspective, especially through like... um, um, looking back at his memories, like his worst memory. But I would love to see his perspective of Harry as he's growing through those seven years. And we would we would probably be able to sympathize with him. Yeah, definitely. I don't know that I want that more. <laughs> well, it's like those people who read Harry Potter and are like, yeah, Harry is this white privileged, uh, useless jock who gets all of the attendance just like, I, I'm sorry, that just doesn't that's not my read of harry potter but if you read it from snape's perspective he absolutely would just like those moments in the books when he's shitting all over harry and all of the gryffindors and is being a dick to hermione for her teeth like 
I don't want to be more sympathetic to him in those moments. Was Snape able to use that spell to clean up the shit on Harry after he shit on Harry? I don't know. Where do vanished objects <laughs> go? Yeah. Shyam says, what are your thoughts on Joe changing canon in the Fantastic Beast movies without regard for what came before in the books? In the Harry Potter books, specifically Dumbledore being a DADA teacher, apparition on school grounds, and McGonagall appearing. I put an asterisk on this one saying we don't know for sure if a lot of this is changed canon per se. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I do have feelings. I think I talked about this uh, on the last episode I was on after we all saw Fantastic Beasts. Um, initially, it's bothersome to me and also takes me out of the movie when things like that happen, especially since Joe's world is so carefully documented and she has a fan base of people who know the books inside and out. These kinds of things feel like they feel like they could have been better considered. And I guess that's something that surprises me when I see the changes. That said, Andrew is correct that we're not a hundred percent sure at this point if they're actually canon breaks. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it definitely definitely bugs me. So I, I'm I'm betting that you were somebody who didn't know that McGonagall was going to make a little appearance in the Crimes of Grindelwald. Did that take you out of the movie when you saw that? Um, so I had actually read an article that spoiled it for me. Oh, okay. So I knew she was going to be there. So I was already kind of irked by it. Uh-huh. Um, but it still took me out of the movie because I was like, this does not make any sense. Like it's the timeline is not even close. Yeah. <laughs> Faith says, if you have pets, what would their Hogwarts houses be? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I have a scrappy, tenacious little terrier named Canella. And she would 100% be a Gryffindor. She is, uh, her personality is such that she will dive headfirst into any precarious situation, um, which reminds me of Gryffindors. So that's her. And Josette says, what is your Harry Potter fanfic OTP? One true pair. Mm-hmm. Harry and Luna. Oh. And Luna. I always, like, even when when book five first came out, I was, like, so excited because I was like, ooh, J.K. Rowling is setting this up. Like, Harry and Luna have so much in common. They can both see the Thestrals. They're going to get together. They both have this weird relationship with death. And then, you know, that didn't happen. But I still, I hold a flame for it to this day because I feel like they have a lot in common and they would make a good pairing. And Luna would really ground Harry because she doesn't, you know, she sees him for who he is and she's not um, awed by his role as the chosen one. Yeah. And also she's seen so much weird, do we curse on the show? Well, Eric just said the S word, so. Okay. She's seen so much weird shit in her life that... (laughs) Like, being with Harry would not phase her. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Honestly, Laura, I thought you were going to mention uh, Dobby and Narcissa as your one true pairing. (laughs) I mean, there were a lot of really interesting uh, character pairings that I read when I worked on MuggleNet fanfiction. And I think that was one of them. Yeah. Well, for listeners maybe that didn't hear a couple episodes back when you were on, we got a really creative voicemail from somebody who... Made a very strong case for <laughs> Dobby being Draco's father. Yes. <laughs> I mean, <Yeah>. why not? <laughs> sure. Why the hell not? 
All right. Well, thank you for answering those questions, Laura. Yeah. By the way, uh, Micah, Michelle, who's listening live on Patreon, says, don't put that mug in the dishwasher. Ruined mine. Oh, that is a good tip. Thank you, Michelle. Like the MuggleCast mug, it sounds like you need to hand wash that thing. (laughs) So we had to bring this up. Um, (laughs) Harry Potter was in the spotlight late last week for, some people would say, all the wrong reasons. Uh, On... Friday, Pottermore tweeted (laughs) a fact for National Trivia Day. Apparently, it was National Trivia Day. And just seemingly out of the blue, Pottermore just tweets, Hogwarts didn't always have bathrooms. Before adopting muggle plumbing methods in the 18th century, witches and wizards simply relieved themselves wherever they stood and vanished the evidence. (laughs) Hashtag National Trivia Day. So, um, turns out, this has been on Pottermore for a while. J.K. Rowling herself wrote this fact in a profile about the Chamber of Secrets, but she only mentioned it in passing. It wasn't the focus of the article. So nobody really ever spoke about it before. It, it, didn't, it didn't go viral. But this tweet was just seemingly out of the blue, and it highlighted such a random, kind of disgusting fact that everybody was talking about it on Twitter. <laughs> a lot of people were kind of disappointed <laughs> that this was shared and it kind of plays into a criticism that has been made over the past couple of years that jk rowling is sharing too much information about Harry yeah <laughs> i love it though i mean if we're going to obsess over every little detail in the harry potter series why not look at things that some people might see as more disgusting don't we want to know everything for, for me, I just don't know what it says about our first episode of the new year and our first episode of the 400s that this is the news story that we're covering. Like, what does that say for the other for the rest of the year? This is the Look, first one we're talking about Hogwarts students pooping where they stand. We're just following Pottermore by J.K. Rowling's guidance. We're just talking about words from J.K. Rowling. I know. I'm just wondering who made the decision that this is what they wanted to put on Twitter on National Trivia Day. I mean, I'm sure they could have come up with something that was a little bit less shitty for... (laughs) (laughs) you know. what you did there. (laughs) I had a shake my head moment. I think I was walking Brooklyn where I do a lot of my thinking. I was like, I can't believe we know this before we know what happened to Lavender Brown. Yeah. I know. But let's think about this. So... So Hogwarts students, very early on, were peeing and pooping and then doing these spells to get rid of it. <laughs> At what point do you learn this spell? Is it like in the, is it in Dumbledore's introduction or whoever was the headmaster at that time? Well, and what if you're bad at it? What if you're bad at vanishing? Yeah. It's, I mean, is it a difficult spell? I hope the headmaster would give them the spe- teach them the spell right after the welcoming feast. <laughs> yeah, mean, and I'm also like curious, like what? So it's a vanishing spell, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't a vanishing spell work by like transporting whatever that item is to a different location? Oh yeah, so like where like are you sending cabinet. it? What are you yeah. doing with it? <laughs> Maybe that was the original purpose for the vanishing cabinet. <laughs> it would go to the vanishing cabinet and then and then Filch or whoever was whoever was in Filch's role at the time would uh, take out the garbage. 
I think I think what happens when you that's a question on the Ravenclaw common room door. Um, one of them is where do vanished objects go? And I think the answer is into non-being. So they go into like they become one with the universe, essentially, again. So when you conjure something, it's partly made up of your poop. So, yeah, the universe is shitty. <laughs> it's basically <laughs> what you're saying. There's far more. Sh- it's like in, in the real world, too. There's just far more like in the ocean. That's uh, probably about 40 percent fish poop. And <laughs> we just never think about it. What also cracks me up about this is where would you use the bathroom if there were no bathrooms like would you always find a private spot to go to the bathroom <laughs> it just doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense you'd be walking down the corridor oh i have to go i'm gonna go bathrooms have existed since medieval since roman times since before roman t- bathrooms have existed for longer than hogwarts has mm-hmm. so it does not make sense <laughs> that there would not have been some rudimentary outhouse type bathrooms pits in which to you know, uh, before the 1800s when the plumbing was. Well, and the, the thing that freaks me out about it is like these these people all wear robes, right? <laughs> so I'm just imagining you wear these big billowing robes. You could theoretically be having a conversation. And as long as your, um, <laughs> your self-relief is not a particularly like – loud or gaseous one you you could theoretically do it while you're having a conversation with somebody they wouldn't know and then you just quietly vanish it (laughs) and it's gone what about the smell too it just none of this makes any sense i think you're right andrew that this was this was meant as a joke i think that that's how i read it like the, the 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 excerpt that this is from is about the chamber of secrets it talks about how the chamber was almost discovered when they put in the girl's bathroom uh, because the trap door was like real close to where they wanted to build it. Like that's mildly interesting. And then as sort of an aside, she's like, well, before this time, they just pooped where they stood. Um, it's like it's it was never meant to be singled out and like put on social media for National Trivia Day. Let me tell you that. I don't I don't think it was a joke when J.K. Rowling wrote it. <laughs> I think she just had it in her head for some reason, because why would she? I mean, if it's on Pottermore, if it's written by J.K. Rowling, it's canon. She wrote it. It's canon. And I, she wasn't – she doesn't joke about canon. Canon's very serious. She jokes all the time. No, no, no. The, the narration in the of the first Harry Potter book is extremely jokey. It's one of those fun things. It's like – it's world building. She it's got to enjoy building. herself. Yeah. It's plumbing building. They shouldn't have ever added bathrooms to Hogwarts. They should have just kept it as is where you just pee and poop wherever you want and then clean it up because that's valuable space in the castle that's now taken up by bathrooms. They could have – Use that to build more dungeons who to, to lock up kids who don't clean up their waste. And you know that happens. Yeah. But if you didn't have bathrooms, then the entire plot of the Chamber of Secrets would have been ruined. Could have been the Dungeon of Secrets. I don't know. The Common Room of Secrets. <laughs> Here's uh, what the rock snob had to say about this on Twitter. Harry Potter magic spells are primarily based on Latin. Latin spoken by Romans. Romans had plumbing. Bathrooms exist when plumbing not available. Outhouses, chamber pots. What is the Hogwarts chamber pot collection for then? Did somehow all those chamber pots only appear after plumbing? Question mark, question mark, all caps. It doesn't make sense. I'm calling bullshit. So, not people shit. I'm calling bullshit. So I guess J.K. Rowling didn't notice or maybe she's busy. Um, Actually, it looks like she hasn't tweeted in over a week. Hope she's okay. 
but um, she has not responded to the Pottermore tweet that's gone viral. I feel like she would have something witty to add if she did know, so maybe she will eventually say something. And listeners, I promise you, we will keep you up to date on the situation. (laughs) It just, for me, it brings up questions about washing again, because we always talk about or occasionally go back to how the Hogwarts students keep themselves or their, even their clothing clean. You just, it's not addressed. Mm-hmm. We don't. So what about the rest of the wizarding community? We're talking just about Hogwarts, but if Hogwarts doesn't have bathrooms, does that mean no place in the wizarding community has bathrooms? No. I just think for whatever reason, Hogwarts didn't have them until quote unquote late. It's just ridiculous to think. Cause like, Okay, if you were wizard born, um, you would prop. What if you're a squib? Oh yeah. Well, then you just use bath. You just fill up your trousers and go throw them in the Great Lake. <laughs> <laughs> Muggles have had bathrooms for centuries, longer centuries, and it just if you were if you were Muggle born, you would grow up using the bathroom. You just would, and then to go to a castle, to go to a a Scottish castle. That doesn't have bathrooms. If you if you go there in the 1700s, that would just be weird and archaic. We keep talking know. about this uh, leaked Harry Potter video game that's apparently coming, and that's set in like the early 1800s <laughs> or something. I hope you have to vanish your own pee and poop <laughs> as part of the game. So we always complain about you know, these video games. You never see or movies. You never see characters use the bathroom or anything. Is this even realistic? And here's a way to add some realism to it. What if you're a professor and you're teaching class? <laughs> well, hopefully you do it before or after. Hey, sometimes when you got to go. Can we all admit, though, that this spell would be handy? Like, we'll sit here podcasting for two hours and I'm drinking water and I'm drinking coffee. By an hour in, I'm ready to use the bathroom. It would be so handy to just go sitting here and then clean it up. No problem. They do make diapers, Andrew. They do. <laughs> Please send diapers to the MuggleCast P.O. Box. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> please, please don't. Eric checks that. I, I lost my key. I can't anymore. Um, by the way, one last thing on this. Agata, who's listening live, I guess from Germany, she says this story was in the German news. <laughs> Jeez. Making, making headlines around the world. JK Rowling. <laughs> There's actually one more tweet here I wanted to read. It's from Joel, who said, I remember an old episode pre-book seven where you were talking about the room of requirement and Jamie asked why it turned into a bathroom for Dumbledore and either Andrew or Micah asked if wizards could just zap the pee out. Guess they were right. Well, we saw this coming. <laughs> wow. Can I say? What's the spell, though? I'm going to Google it. D- diaper vanisho Pee-poopo goodbye Somebody tweet JK Rowling and ask her. <laughs> yeah, we need to know. <laughs> uh, Evanesco. Oh, great. Of course. Yeah. It's a transfiguration spell used to vanish both animate and inanimate objects into non-being, which is to say everything. Evanesco. So this is a mailbag episode. We're starting the year hearing from our listeners because you guys are what are who brought us to this point. And keeping the spotlight on Laura, Eric went into the MuggleCast email and searched Laura. And we have some emails now addressed to or about Laura from over the years that we never responded to. Oh, my gosh. I'm blushing right now. <laughs> years ago. <laughs> years. These emails are from 2013, 2012, and 2011. This first one from 2013 is from Emma in Minneapolis. She was 21 at the time. So she's now. Oh, she's at uh, tomorrow's her birthday. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> 
That's the day she sent what? the email. What am I thinking? Oh, anniversary. Look yeah, at that. Almost, almost six years to the Six day. years. Yeah. So she was 21. She might be around 27 now. My name is Emma. I write an intern from being geek chic. Um, she wanted help in writing a post, Laura. And I think we're a little late. Six years too yeah. late. But... <laughs> She had these questions for Laura? Yeah. She, so she, uh, Emma ran the Being Geek Chic Lady Geek of the Week segment. Wow. Um, it, was a, it was a column. And uh, she asked Laura if Laura would be interested in being featured as Lady Geek of the Week. Oh, well, um, sorry we missed the email. <laughs> yep. <laughs> sorry, Emma. Well, Laura, now you are our Lady Geek of the Week. And oh, but shucks. in. Um, but I, I wanted to pose uh, these are some good questions. So I, I actually checked and beinggeekchic.com is a really cool website. Um, it, it focuses on on um, women in business and it's really, really good stuff. Unfortunately, the Lady Geek of the Week column has ended. No. So we did miss it. Yeah. The website's still there. You can actually view all the past Lady Geeks of the Week. But the questions were I, I found these questions to be interesting and I want to know what Laura – Laura um, can bring it back. She's going to start it fresh in 2019. Yeah. Exclusively on MuggleCast.com. <laughs> so, uh, Laura, when was your Potter passion first sparked? Emma wants to know. So, very fittingly, I received the first three books as a present for my 11th birthday. <gasps> oh. Yeah. And that that's where it began. I mean, it was just one of those instant, I picked up the first book and was immediately hooked. Um, it's so easy to get drawn into JK Rowling's narrative style. So yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's where it all began. It's also and- kind of feels full circle because right now you can buy the first three Harry Potter books illustrated mm-hmm. in a set mm-hmm. today. That only just God, came out recently. That set will be like 50 pounds. Yeah. Those are heavy books. Um, Laura, what inspires you in the world? A lot of things. Um, I think what inspires me the most, though, is passion. And when I say passion, I mean looking at other people's passion for um, the work that they're involved in or the causes that they're involved in. Um, seeing that human element brought into people's lines of work, into their personal lives, into whatever they choose to put out there on the internet. Um, I love following YouTubers who are into things that I'm not necessarily into because I feel like it helps me learn a lot and helps me gain perspective. Um, so I think the fact that now, especially like nerd passion and geek passion is such an in thing. And you can follow um, anyone who's nerdy about any subject you could possibly think of is helping to unite people um, and sort of helping to um, bridge a lot of gaps that that we have socially. We obviously still have a lot of work to do. But I, I think ultimately at the root of this is it's helping people be more empathetic towards each other well said so yeah passion that's a good answer um the next question if you could take any harry potter character out for a drink whom would you choose and what would you drink (sighs) hermione oh yeah definitely hermione i feel like i I have always felt um 
like we would be kindred spirits. Uh, usually when when I was reading the books, um, I could always understand her perspective, even when she was being difficult. Uh, and I could oftentimes put myself in her shoes. Uh, I would love to talk with her because I feel like um, we we could have a very constructive conversation, especially uh, now that we're both adults about being, you know, a professional woman in the workplace and sort of like the the opportunities and challenges that come as a result of that. Um, and I think we, my preferred drink would be gin and tonic. <laughs> I don't know about hers, but Classic. that's what I would want. Yeah. Um, and what are you up to when you are not recording MuggleCast? <laughs> Nothing. I don't have a life outside of this. Okay. No, okay. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We. Uh, I also record another podcast called Millennial with Andrew. Um, so a lot of my sort of like outside of my day job life is kind of focused on, you know, trying to grow my career as a podcaster. Um I also live in Atlanta, so I spend a lot of time in the city. I have a very cute dog and an awesome boyfriend who I spend a lot of time with. Um, I like to go try like new restaurants and go bar hopping places. I love traveling. I usually try to travel to a different city every year. This year, we're going to Seattle, so very excited for that. Oh, can I come? Yeah, why not? Everyone come. Just that hesitation definitely convinced me. <laughs> and two more, two more questions here from Emma. Mm-hmm. Uh, what book is currently on your nightstand? Becoming by Michelle Obama. Oh, have you read it before? Uh, no, uh, I'm towards the end of it now, though. Is it good? Mm-hmm. It's really good. Cool. Does Michelle Obama add to canon on Twitter? Does she talk about bathrooms on Twitter? No, I will say Obama I appreciate more. that because it provides it provides a really intimate look sort of into the lives of America's best family, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And she's she's so real and so down to earth and she's not afraid to talk about, um, you know, issues that she's had over the course of her life and like difficult patches that she's been through or, you know, difficulties in her marriage. So I appreciate how um, forthcoming she is, although she has never addressed bathroom habits. So it's <laughs> oh. for the better. Well, she should think about that for her next <laughs> and, um And what would you tell your 13-year-old self, Laura? Ooh, so many things. Uh, you know, it's one of those, like, if only you knew then what you know now type mm. situations. Um, apart from giving myself a list of people to absolutely not date, like don't date these people, <laughs> please just don't like you're, <laughs> you're going to waste your time. Um, I was incredibly self-conscious as a teenager. I don't think that is an uncommon narrative, especially for teenage girls. Um, and I would probably just tell myself it's all going to work out. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't tell myself not to worry or not to be preoccupied by these things because it's always really annoying when someone tells you not to worry. You're like, oh, well, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> um, but it, it would be comforting, I think, to be able to to tell my 13-year-old self, it's all going to work out. It's all going to be fine. 
Um, and tying that into Harry Potter, I think Harry Potter was a source of comfort for mm-hmm. a lot of us and it help, helped us build confidence. Definitely. And the Harry Potter fandom did as well because we made friends that we never would have made otherwise. I mean, all my friends I made through the internet. <laughs> yeah, pretty much me too, to be honest. <laughs> It was so severe that I continued to only have friends I made through the internet. Do not know how to meet friends in person. <laughs> anyway. And that concludes our email from Emma. Um, so Thanks, Emma. Sorry that we missed your, uh, <laughs> your article or your column. We will also be publishing these answers in our new MuggleCast column, Geek Chic Girl of the Week or whatever it was called. <laughs> um. You guys, I just looked this up on the Harry Potter Wikia, not to bring it back to the whole vanishing your poo thing, but um, the vanishing spell is one of the most complicated spells, and they teach it at the ordinary wizarding level. So in year five is when they teach vanishing, according to Harry Potter. So what do the younger students use? I know, dude. It just doesn't, this doesn't add up. This is not adding up. Okay. Um... One more email here. Well, no, a couple more. Just briefly. This is from Connor. He wrote this in 2012. In an episode way back, Laura accurately predicted that Voldemort would light Nagini's head on fire, even if she said it jokingly. I about jumped out of my seat when she said it. That makes me wonder if you will ever do a show on what theories you guys had with sound bites and how wrong or right they were. I think that would be fun. Uh, Neville's head on fire, not Nagini's. Oh, sorry. No um, Did that happen? I don't no. remember this accurately well this didn't happen in the books yeah it did question right there because didn't he put the sorting hat on him and light it on fire or something oh my god i don't i don't remember predicting this is what i'm saying well i thought connor was just loosely referring to neville killing nagini but maybe not interesting as for the question will we ever do a show where we revisit the theories we had had I would love to do that. It would just take an incredible amount of time that I don't just finding these theories and then finding the clips and all that. It it would be a ton of work. But when people do write in like Connor did seven years ago, almost (laughs) with this (laughs) or like that tweet Micah referenced earlier, it's great to hear when people remember uh, theories we made that ended up being true. Yeah. I'll just turn this one to the listeners and say, hey, if you, you know, are listening to Old Muggle, we know people do listen to Old MuggleCast, uh, you know, when they tweet us and things. And if if we, if one of us or if a former uh, host has made a prediction that you think is interesting or funny or actually came true um, in probably in book seven, because we started this podcast after book six was out, then let us know. Uh, email us and, and tweet us and you know, I'll try and keep tabs on the MuggleCast Gmail account and and start you know collecting um, some of these uh, things. So so give us the episode number, timestamp if you can, and maybe we'll work towards yeah. doing one of those episodes. Yeah, I think we should pay somebody to do that for us. I mean, it's over six hundred hours of content to go through. Yeah, well, I wouldn't expect them to go through all four. Well, maybe I would. I don't know. We can think about yeah. that more. Final one. This is from Sarah. She was 14 back in 2012 from Rockville, Maryland. And she's, she was writing about Pottermore. And then she said, I am in love with all of you. And my best friend Eve used to do a theater class with Laura. I was at sleepaway camp with her last summer and was telling Eve about MuggleCast and naming all the hosts and got to Laura. She realized that she knew her. I started screaming and crying. I cannot live without you guys from Sarah. 
Laura, do you remember this? Uh, no. <laughs> you ever yeah. take a theater class, Laura? Do you remember Eve? No. Well, so here's here's where I'm a little bit confused because if Sarah was 14 in 2012, that means she's 21 now. Um, I don't know that we. I'm 30, so I don't know that we would have been in school at the same time. <laughs> um, I also, I mean, I I was in drama club in like middle school, but. And it's possible I was in there with someone named Eve. Um, but yeah, I don't remember this. Sarah, I hate to break it to you, but Eve lied to you. <laughs> you don't know her motivations for lying, but she lied. Unless Eve was her counselor or something like like her camp counselor. Yeah, it's at sleepaway camp. I don't. Yeah, I wonder. But she says huh. it's her best friend. Which you can be best friends yeah, with. Yeah, also, I didn't grow up in Maryland. So. <laughs> Georgia's not that far. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, people who... Um, I, I hear that oh, people in Maryland, they go to summer camp in Georgia. Oh, okay. That's only like four they or five states south. away, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not far. The parents just want to put some distance between them. <laughs> All right, on to some voicemails now. I love this first one. Listen oh, so, to the, what, so these are not Laura related, right? These are just normal. No, these are generic voicemails. Spotlight off Laura now. Whew. Yeah, yeah. Finally out of the hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Uncle Kaz. This is Jeanne from Quebec, Canada. So sorry for my English accent. After listening to your last podcast, I just wanted to say my opinion about the who's going to die question. So I've read the Quidditch World Cup article in Pottermore two years later, so the first Fantastic Beast was already out, and I realized that there's a chaser in the U.S. team whose name is Kentine Kowalski. So Jacob's not gonna die, except if, like, someone else is a wizard in his family, but it will be weird. And I don't think that after Queenie, he's gonna fall in love again, and certainly not with another witch. So my thought is that Queenie's not going to die and we'll get back in the good one at the end. So yeah, thanks for listening. So yeah, this is a great throwback. Mm-hmm. We all remember that years ago, J.K. Rowling wrote this whole report from the Quidditch World Cup. It was quote-unquote penned by Rita Skeeter. And yeah, there's this line here that says, um, uh, yet more controversy in Patagonia that outcome of the USA versus Jamaica clash is under investigation due to the sun collapse blah 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 who toppled from her broom shortly before US chaser Quinton Kowalski scored their ninth goal this could be some foreshadowing that Jacob lives and his son or his grandson ends up going to Hogwarts or sorry not Hogwarts uh, Ilvermorny yeah no, I, I like it. I think this is a great catch. And we know that J.K. Rowling chooses her names fairly carefully. So this would seem to be a uh, a gem of uh, hope. And that name, Quentin? Queenie Quentin? Oh. Mm. I didn't mm-hmm. think about that. You're making those connections, mm-hmm. Andrew. Ah, yes, yes. All right. Hey, guys. Uh, this is Tatum from Arizona, home of the... Thunderbird, apparently. Um, I was just listening to your last episode where you talked about questions from Fantastic Beasts 1 that Crimes of Grindelwald didn't answer, um, and you brought up Newt's expulsion. I was always under the impression he never was really expelled from Hogwarts, 
um, I always took it as some people, like maybe the headmaster at the time and other teachers, were trying to get him expelled, and Dumbledore had so much influence that he convinced the board or ministry or whoever not to expel him. So it was never an official expulsion, um, and that's why he was still able to graduate, but maybe it was on his record, and that's how Graves was able to find out. Um, I realize this doesn't really answer the burning question of why he would be on trial for expulsion in the first place, but I guess I never really thought that he was expelled officially. I don't know if the script or other sources and material contradict this theory, but those are just my thoughts. Thanks for the show, and keep up the good work. I don't think that contradicts anything. And when I heard this theory, it reminds me of how uh, articles of impeachment can be introduced here in the United States. But that doesn't mean the president is actually getting impeached. Hopefully this year. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. I I don't I don't know. It's sort of uh, flawed this image of Newt as uh, kicked out of school. He's a rebel. He didn't. Make it when really he seems to be like just a straight up stand up guy, you know, great accomplished wizard. He certainly couldn't have been kicked out too soon because he's like learned magic. You know, I I don't it's all kind of weird to have your hero be kicked out of school and to have that not be addressed, even in extensive backstories. Right. This is where it gets kind of challenging when you don't have a book to go back to, because we've gotten so many different pieces of information from different places and whether it's the first film talking about how he was expelled or the f- I forget where we learned that it was related to a Jarvie, which is a beast. And it's just we're trying to pull different pieces of information from different places and make it all work together. And when you don't actually have the text to go back to and point to and say this is what happened because J.K. Rowling wrote it, I think it's it's tough. I guess we could still hear about this in movie three. It's getting kind of late, though, to to hear about this. I, I struggle to see how this is going to be relevant going forward or worth mentioning, his proposed expulsion, if it was that. I think we speculated it would have to do with why he and Dumbledore are so close. Like if Dumbledore kind of throws him a bone or uh, takes the heat off of the incident with the Jarvie, then it could be justified as being a, a backstory thing. Next voicemail. Hi, guys. This is Jillian from Maryland. Um pretty new listener so i'm really enjoying hearing all the theories and everything i wanted to talk about queenie a little bit because i feel like her character arc is really important um a lot of people are saying they don't get it and she seems dumb or whatever um i think she's really suffering from some form of depression or trauma i mean if we think about everything she's been through in new york her sister has all but abandoned her she goes off to paris she goes to find her sister sister's been lying to her We don't really know where Queenie's parents are, so we don't know if she has any family support. Then, you know, the love of her life is telling her he doesn't want to be with her. So she's really kind of all alone trying to navigate this really tumultuous time in her life. So to me, I think, you know, she's in a place where she's experiencing more of, like, fuzzy thinking, which happens a lot with depression and trauma and post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, So I think she probably just doesn't know how to make decisions really – really well at this point so Grindelwald comes along and tells her look follow me and you'll be safe and you know maybe I can even get you to be with Jacob because we shouldn't be living in the dark or you know whatever he tells her but um obviously this is coming from a bit of a psychological point but I think it's important um I do think that uh Queen has definitely suffered some trauma so 
just wondering if you, what you guys thought about that. Um, I think you guys are great. Thanks. I like that idea a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, all right. Next voicemail. Hi, Nuzzlecast. It's Rochelle. Uh, I'm listening to 394, and I wanted to call in right away about the blood pact, because um, I think there were a couple things that I picked up on uh, while watching. So I think that Dumbledore and Grindelwald actually made that pact when they agreed that they were going to go after the Deathly Hallows together, because they don't want to be able to fight each other and have one true master of death. They are supposed to be the masters of death. Um, and what I thought that Dumbledore was seeing in the Mirror of Erised is uh, he's he's reflecting back to that time when he made that pact, and I think he regret, regrets doing that, and he wants to go back to that time and undo it. Um, and when it's fast-forwarding and you're seeing the adult Grindelwald, um, it actually shows that small little medallion with the uh, – that contains the blood pact. And so I think in both circumstances, he's simply seeing those things again, because what his, he desires most is that medallion so that he can undo what's been done and he can ultimately fight Grindelwald. Thanks. I hope you enjoy it and uh, talk to you guys again soon. I buy that. I, I think I've said something along those lines before. Um, Dumbledore, you know, when you're younger, you make silly decisions. Maybe you don't think them out all the way, or it makes sense at the time. But then as time moves on, you realize that that was a mistake. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I, but we also spoke recently about at the end of Crimes of Grindelwald, we see Newt say, Can you destroy this? And Dumbledore is like, What does he say exactly? Maybe, or um, I'll try, or something, something like that. that. My script book's right here. I can look it up real quick. <laughs> um, but um, so I don't think there's going to be a big time jump in the next movie because we need to see Dumbledore destroy that because he really is torn up about this blood pack. I don't know. Agreed. Yeah, I thought it was a very well thought out theory and, and something I didn't even think of when because there was a lot of confusion around him looking into the mirror and, and seeing that moment because it was a, it's supposed to be what you're desire is right not necessarily what appeared to be a flashback so the way that it was laid out i thought was yeah. was well done uh, i'm trying to get to it i don't are pages stuck together where is it it was going to be one of the last pages <laughs> <laughs> i know that's why i'm i'm i just see grindelwald 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 um as i continue to look for that here is Another voicemail. Hi, my name is Corey in Montana, and I was just listening to your most recent podcast, and you were talking about how Accio can only be used on inanimate objects, and that the new movie violated that with Newt Accioing the Niffler. And I just was thinking about it, wanted to point out that said Niffler is full of inanimate objects. So to Accio, the object inside the Niffler would therefore move the Niffler therefore not violating any of the rules laid down previously. So give that a thought. This would work if if Newt had said Accio gold coin or something. Right. But he <laughs> literally just says Accio Niffler. It doesn't sound as cool, though, to be yeah. saying Accio gold coin. Accio all the gold things in that Niffler's pocket. <laughs> <laughs> because if you remember in the first movie, he actually has to 
catch him. He can't just yeah. Accio him over. And that would have worked right. in the first film because he's in a jewelry store or some you know, window of a of a shopping I don't remember. It was some store, right, that the Niffler is in that he yeah. catches him in. Yeah, so he could have just gotten away with that in the first film, but I think they just added it for it to be like a cute moment. Let's listen to one more voicemail. This concerns Lita. Hey, MuggleCast. This is Brantley calling from Arkansas. And I had a theory I wanted to run by you guys. As I was listening to the last episode, and you were discussing how big of a mistake it would be if Lita Lestrange remained alive in the remaining Fantastic Beast films. Well, I wondered um, if this might be a way that she could still be existing and it not be a total faux pas. Um, but do you think it's possible that Lita maybe um, has a horcrux? Because um, we see throughout Crimes of Grindelwald that she is very remorseful and feels that she is the direct cause of Corvus's death. Um, obviously, you know, we see her Bogart being the baby sinking in the water, so we know she feels responsible for that. Would, and even though she did not cast about a cadavera, um, would that remorse be enough to split her soul and then her either intentionally or unintentionally create a horcrux and then her still be alive? I am not, I'm a little fuzzy on how horcruxes work and how you make them. It's been a while since I've gotten this intense into theorizing about Harry Potter, but I'm trying to get back into it. And part of the reason is by listening to your show. So uh can't wait to hear what you guys think and um thanks for keeping magic wise bye we have never gotten a clear answer on how a horcrux is created right and we've looked into that and jake Rowling really hasn't said but i get the impression that it has to be done with intention just because of the small glimpse that we got of tom riddle trying to figure out um trying to ask slughorn questions about creating horcruxes um, so to me, that's indicative that there has to be intention behind that. You can't inadvertently create a Horcrux. Right. Aside from Harry. Right. Well. Yeah. Harry Harry was accidental, but Voldemort had done it enough times at that point and, right. killed, and killed enough people and was actually killing Harry with the intention of creating a Horcrux later, I think, mm-hmm. uh, based on that murder because it was the murder that proves that he triumphed over the prophecy. So- if there was like a pre-ceremony, he already went through those steps, basically, is is my read of it. This caller suggests that it's uh, Lita's remorse that creates this Horcrux, but remorse is actually pointed out in the books to heal the soul. Um, one of the few things, in fact, Harry asked Dumbledore if there's any way to undo um, the damage, uh, and, and Dumbledore says, yeah, remorse, but it would cause... Not only is that not something Voldemort would ever do, um, but at this point, because of his soul being so mangled, were he to be remorseful and sort of repent and do penance, he, he just it would have probably killed him. The pain of it would have killed him. And I just I'm not sure how fans would feel about Horcruxes being introduced in this series when they obviously played such a pivotal role in in Potter. I'm not saying that Voldemort was the first. To make them, obviously he wasn't, but I, I feel like that would be a little bit of cheapening the the series. Yeah. Like we've talked about a lot of other things, like time turners. If they show up, everybody's just going to walk out of the theater. It seems like, but uh, I'm going to burn my 
stolen cursed child poster. Exactly. <laughs> and if they use Polyjuice Potion to yeah. infiltrate the Ministry. That's a better right. example. Oh, wait. They do that again in Crimes of Grindelwald. They use Polyjuice Potion to infiltrate the Ministry. Newt, uh, Newt turns yeah. into his brother. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to bring up this point too, Micah. That This would be a major retread that mm-hmm. I don't want to see. What I love about the Obscurus is that it's entirely new. Mm-hmm. Give us something like that. Yeah. All right. So thank you to everybody who calls in. We listen to all your voicemails. We can't play them all on the show, but we appreciate you calling in and voicing your thoughts. If you want to call in, the number is one nine two zero three muggle. That's one nine two zero three six eight four four five three. Just please keep your message around a minute. A lot of times we can't play voicemail just because it's too long. Yeah. And we know you're theorizing and you're getting into it and we love it, but it's just too long for the show when we want to put in multiple voicemails in addition to everything else we've got to do. So keep it around a minute, please, and thank you. And uh, we get a lot of voicemails, I notice, these days from people who are calling in from the car. <laughs> like that one voicemail earlier, we could hear, hear the person with their turn signal on. That <laughs> well, please be careful <laughs> when you call into us and leave voicemails. Yeah, hopefully you're doing that through voice yeah, control hands-free. in the car. Hands-free. Siri, call the MuggleCast hotline. <laughs> you got us on the speed dial. <laughs> call mom. Call MuggleCast. All right. Time now for the Dueling Club. We haven't done this in a while. So we played the Dueling Club many, many times on this podcast. But there was one in particular going back 200 episodes that we did with the producer of the Harry Potter film series, David Heyman. And it was myself versus David And to give listeners a sense who might be listening for the first time or who've come to listen to the show over the last couple of years, we're going to play that clip right now. We do have a a segment on our podcast called The Dueling Club, um, which is where we we basically we choose a character in our heads and uh, then we state the characters and we face them off against each other, arguing in favor of the character we chose who would win in a duel. Um, Were you would you think that's something you'd be interested in playing? Uh, my goodness, I'm going to be. Who, who will I be playing? Uh, you'll be playing against Micah, and you can choose whatever character from the from the Harry Potter books that that you could possibly think of. Okay. Okay. Do you have uh, your character? Yes. Okay, Micah. Do you have your character? Yes. Okay. Um, which one Mike, of you would you like go to go first, play? just to give me a hand? <laughs> what I meant to do. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll go with uh, with Bellatrix. Ah, excellent. I'll go with Snape. Wow. Ooh. Ooh, this is this is good. All right, gentlemen, which um since Micah you presented first, what is your argument in favor of Bellatrix beating Snape? Wow. Uh <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, One sec. Do, do you want do you want to accept defeat now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what a, what a throwback. <laughs> I can't believe it was 200 episodes ago. <laughs> What? It sounds like an eternity. It really does. <laughs> and I always enjoy hearing him say, do you want to admit defeat now? <laughs> so it was even before we got into the dueling aspect of it, just by the character that he picked. He was just so, so sure of it. So today we're going to do uh, Crimes of Grindelwald, new characters in Fantastic Beasts 2. Yes. So how we play is on the, let's say the count of three, each of the hosts that are participating are going to name a character at the same time. And hopefully they don't name the same character, but if they do, well, we'll have to play it out because that's just the way it works. And then each, 
each side is going to then say why they believe their character would defeat the other. And then I guess Eric and I on this first one would determine who the winner is, right? And we'll, Oh, yeah. We'll yeah, in case of... Rotate. Yeah. You, you get to argue it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Andrew and Laura, you are up first. Sorry to put you back in the hot seat, Laura. That's okay. I'm All ready. Right. So, again, these are Crimes of Grindelwald characters. Got it. Uh-huh. All right. On the count of three. One, two, three. Yusuf Kama. Aurelius Dumbledore. <laughs> Who'd you say, Laura? I said Yusuf Kama. <laughs> Micah's favorite. <laughs> you stole his. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, look, Aurelius Dumbledore, he's a, he's a troubled boy. And he has so much pent up rage that his Obscurus uh, can murder anybody very easily. All he has to do is look at Yusuf Kama and say, what is your purpose in this series? I don't know it. <laughs> and then Obscurus will burst out of him and kill Yusuf. Do you want to defeat, admit defeat now? <laughs> no. Well, I mean, the thing about Yusuf is we know that he's willing to go the distance and do whatever needs to be done in order to prove his purpose in the movie, even though that purpose may not yet be clear. Um, we know that he made an unbreakable vow to track Cretans down. That's some pretty serious magic. I mean, it's I mean, the the consequences of breaking an unbreakable vow, you know, are death. So we have to believe that this character is serious about his mission. And I think he would do whatever it took to win this battle. See, but, you know, tracking is good and all. But when it's a fight, I mean, Aurelius Dumbledore can kick butt. I mean, he's now got Grindelwald on his side. He will learn very, very powerful magic if he doesn't already have it already. Yeah, but he's also, but Yusuf is also Lita Lestrange's half brother. And we know the Lestranges are a really powerful pureblood family. So I think that by virtue of their connection, this is indicative of his uh, abilities. And he would probably be able to overcome Aurelius. But please also remember that we are talking about an alleged Dumbledore here, and Albus is one of the greatest wizards of all time. Surely Aurelius is one of the greatest as well. Yeah, but we are talking about a Lestrange-adjacent character here. <laughs> I give up. There's no way. Like, I'm sorry, Yusuf. Like, I still, I tried to make your presence make sense, but it... <laughs> it's fine. You're working with what we got. Yeah. I don't know, Michael. It sounds like Laura conceded. It does. It does. Uh, yeah. What? What? The if hell, she had Laura? just, if she had just not done that, I would have said, "Oh, you know, there's maybe it's a standoff, maybe it's a tie." But congratulations, Andrew. Oh, thank you very much. I didn't even get to my bad haircut point. <laughs> uh, what was the bad haircut point? Uh, you know, people with bad haircuts are very crazed, and I feel like he would do whatever it took in his crazy mind to uh, defeat Yusuf. He might get physical or something. I don't know. Edgy, dangerous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he'd surprise attack him like a body slam with a body <laughs> slam or something. All right, Eric and Micah, it's your turn now. All right. So on the count of three, both of you say character. And I think the rule here should be we're not repeating characters. Correct. Right. Is that fair? Okay. So on the count of three, one, two, three. Nicholas Flamel. Grimson. Flamel and Grimson? Yeah. Um, well... Uh, this the, I'll make this quick, short, and sweet. Flamel is so uh, frail that Grimson could find a way 
to either if if not kill him because he's you know he has the sorcerer stone whatever um to imprison him for a very long time that in in some way that uh flamel could not escape um, grimson would definitely uh overcome flamel in a physical show of force uh and probably in magic Flamel has 600 years of experience here. I don't even think Grimson stands a chance. <laughs> but think about how well Grimson did against Cretans. We were just talking about Aurelius's power and and uh Grimson's the just creates a shield charm that repels this ridiculous like ridiculously powerful Obscurus, we've never seen it before. Grimson knows how to do that. So I think that whatever Flamel can throw at him from 600 years, I don't know how good his memory is, by the way, um, because we know that the um, elixir of life isn't uh, youth uh, preserving. I think Grimson would would overcome. I just think he would. I think he's resourceful and agile and youthful and strong. Don't put anything past Flamel. Look what he did in the graveyard. Yep. What did he do in the graveyard exactly? He saved all their asses. He ran. Eh. And that. He just kind of instructed them. They all had to put the wands down. That wasn't his magic. It was all of theirs. It was his idea. Flamel can definitely outsmart Grimson. All right. What do you guys think? Impartial judges? Well, I would I would just... Well, I'm going to give it to Micah because Flamel, you know... He can't compete with Flamel, like Micah said right at the start. He's got 600 years of experience. Plus, I'm also thinking he can surprise you. Like, we didn't think he'd be able to run. One moment, he's all hunched over, very frail, waddling around. And then the next moment, he's running around town, saving the day. So I'm going to give it to Micah and Flamel. Yeah, I'm going to have to give it to Micah and Flamel as well. Um, Eric, not to say that you didn't do a great job. I just think that the the odds were stacked against you. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uphill battle. Yeah. It's it's safe picking an immortal character for the dueling club. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now it's Laura and Eric's turn. Yes. Okay. On three. One, two, three. Nikini. Zulu. Nikini versus the Zulu. <laughs> <laughs> can I can I just uh say that I think they would actually be friends? Um they both come from the circus. They've both been imprisoned. I think that this is a situation where if they had to face off against battle, they'd just kind of be like, let's go grab a cup of coffee. Yeah. Probably. But this is the dueling club, so we have to decide <laughs> who would win. Um, I think Nagini is the obvious choice. And unfortunately, this is a case where we have a lot of information on Nagini because of the Harry Potter books. We know what she's capable of and what she's done. Um, you know, the Zuwu, it's kind of cute, you know? I the just Zulu, don't, I don't think it's much of a, a, a match for Nagini. The, the Zuwu could outrun Nagini. The Zuwu is it capable of leaping great distances in a single bound, like Superman. And I think that Nagini would never catch the Zuwu. If, but is, uh, is running away winning? A duel? <laughs> yeah. Evading a predator is how you live, girl. It's how you survive. But, like, it's a duel. Well, if it had to, like... It's also got, like, teeth and stuff. We just didn't see it in battle because Newt is a pacifist. But I think that the zoo is really a terrifying creature. I don't think it looked super terrifying. <laughs> Nagini, on the other hand, those fangs? 
We saw her. But, br- I mean, you know, you see, you look at her bringing, you know, an end to Snape. You look at how she behaved at Bethilda Bagshot's house. You look at all of her experience with Voldemort over the years. She is a volatile creature. You know, it's funny, though, just this mental image I have of Nagini trying to swallow the Zuwu. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like a Zuwu shaped this guy. Probably one of the most painful dinners and Nagini would choke. I'm going to go on, out on a limb and say that Nagini could not consume the Zewu, and the Zewu would get the last laugh. I mean, snakes, large snakes like that, are capable of consuming really large things. It's very surprising. I mean, they can unhinge their jaws mm-hmm. in order to accommodate the uh, the ingestion of animals larger than themselves yes but not a city bus not a city bus sized animal yeah but she's also a magic snake (laughs) right it's not it's not like she's a normal like python or like boa constrictor i mean she's you know she used to be a person all right well while we stop there (laughs) um i think eric set himself up for failure again i i just feel like nagini is really powerful here and and would win. So I'll have to give it to Laura. Oh, man. I agree. I'm, I'm so rusty. Oh. No, you know I mean, what, Eric? I appreciate choice. you because you go into this picking the underdog. <laughs> you make a, yeah. And you make a very strong case. Clearly what I'm not supposed to do. I didn't know Grimson would be the underdog. He's super accomplished. He beat Credence in a fight. I mean, come on. Nobody does that. So, and the zoo's got its size and can run away. I don't know. <laughs> Micah and Andrew, it is your turn. Oh, man, I'm really torn on what what to do here. All right. But... All right. Um, okay, I'm going to say one, two, three, and then go. One, two, three. Theseus. Bunty. <laughs> Bunty? Oh, I win. I don't even need to explain. All right, well. Take off your shirt. <laughs> to Theseus or me? <laughs> Both of you. <laughs> so, so look, Theseus, we know he's a very skilled wizard. He works for the ministry. He's been tasked with going after Grindelwald. And sure, his brother beat him to finding Grindelwald. But we know that since he did have this assignment, he has a lot of um, experience under his belt and is probably equipped to fight such a terrifying wizard. So I feel that he could easily defeat Bunty, who who really is, is just an animal caretaker. She doesn't have much experience outside of Newt's suitcase, which is kind of sad and creepy. Hopefully Newt isn't holding her there captive. Um, yeah, so I, I think uh, Theseus is very powerful. Bunty has yet to prove herself, and she, he would win. Micah? Bunty has all that experience taking care of those magical creatures. She probably would even use them to her advantage in a duel against somebody like Theseus. Despite his accomplishments, maybe she could even trick Theseus uh, into Newt's apartment, saying that something terrible had happened to Newt. So I think she could be a little bit on the, the cunning side, maybe not using magic at the start, but you know, tricking him into a situation where you know, if he's in that basement, who knows what can happen? There's a lot of beasts down there. Wow. I got to say, Micah, I think this social engineering angle that you're taking is really intriguing. Oh, okay. I like it. Well, I have, I have nothing else to say, so. <laughs> <laughs> so who won? 
Um, I'm going to have to give it to Micah and Bunty. Yeah. Oh, damn it, Bunty. Yeah, I knew I should have. She's a, she's a surprise upset. Yeah, darn. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to use Lita, so that would have actually been an interesting oh, yeah. one. And Eric, how do you feel? Yeah, I feel the same way, mostly because you forgot to mention that Theseus is an Auror. You said he works for the Ministry and then he was tracking oh. Grindelwald, but you didn't lead with, he's a freaking Auror, baby. Um, yeah. Which... I yeah. I was actually thinking of going with Lita too, Micah. It would have been a draw. So I'm now for our answer to the last Quizage question of 2018 and our first of 2019. Yep, here we go. Last week's uh, last year's question <laughs> of Quizage: Graduates of the Magic School Wagadoo are particularly skilled in these subjects: self transfiguration, astronomy, and what? The correct answer was alchemy, and uh, that is uh, available, the information on uh, wizarding schools across the world on Pottermore. The answer is alchemy, and the people who got that correct were Carolyn, Henry, Christian, Tia, Colleen, William Walton, Amy Semensky, Kay Wolfing, Asim, Chris Ponder, Charlie, Father of Dragons, Gabrielle, Sarah Davis, Robbie Stillman, Amber, Sarah, and... Uh, our friend, where in the world is Kevin Stackiego, <laughs> who has now updated their profile picture and cover photo on Twitter to be a very convincing uh, Carmen Sandiego slash former Muggle Gas host Kevin Stack um, mashup photo. Yeah, you know, it's there's... kind of freaking me out. <laughs> it works well. His head fits well. His face fits well on Carmen's head. I feel yeah, like. I don't know where this person is going with this, but uh, we do tend to spend some time shouting out people with funny profile names when they play Quizich. Next week's question, though, uh, is one based on some of the information we were talking about earlier on today's episode. Which Slytherin student prevented the Chamber of Secrets from being discovered? Yes, a bathroom question. I was hoping you would. <laughs> <laughs> this person is named. They do have a name, and it's uh, a familiar name. So, okay. We well, we're not finished yet. We have a uh, chicken soup now. This is from Sarush Sar. She they put in a pronunciation guide, and I still can't get it. Sarosh Sarosh. There we go. Um, it says age two. I feel like this person is not actually. Well, this was six years ago, so they're eight years old now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but here, here's the contents of the email. Dear Smugglecasters, I've been a longtime listener of the show and have considered countless times to write in a chicken soup to you guys, but never really got the chance. You've probably heard it a million times before, but you have no idea how much you all mean to me and how, how the hour of the show that you put up simply lights my world up for a brief spell of time. You've helped me through the sorrows and joys of moving to a new country, of graduating, of friendships lost and gained, and most of all, the grief over the end of the phenomenal era of Harry Potter, which we all have been fortunate enough to be a part of. Like a lot of people out there, I've always found it hard to let go of things I love, which is probably why my old Harry Potter posters are still up on my wall. Hey, do you want a cursed child one? <laughs> and while I still listen to your show almost every night before falling asleep, you guys are my link to the past and every good memory associated with it. This may be a bit overdramatic, but please know that you always, always will have one devoted, obsessed fan in the world, even years down the road. Lots of love and best of luck. Thank you, Savrosh. That's so sweet. Yeah. 
And I know we wanted to get in a chicken soup for this 400th installment. That's why we're patting ourselves on the back. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, that was a that was a copying error on my part. They were 21 when they wrote that. Ah. Well, now please write in because you did say you would always always listen. So we want to make sure you're always always listening. <laughs> Six years later. We deliberately didn't Seven read years. this in 2012. He's like, we're going to test. <laughs> we're going to test them. Yeah. Yeah. And answer the quizzes question for us. Are you on Twitter? <laughs> All right. And finally, another segment throwback. Crackpot theory of the week. All right. Micah, why don't you read this for us? You sound primed and ready to go. All right. Here we go. This crackpot theory comes from Alyssa Rice, and it is that Credence is a homunculus. Hi, MogulCast. I have a pretty long theory to shell out. I was in my car in the drive through line at Sonic listening to episode 395 when I had a light bulb go off in my head about Credence slash Aurelius. In episode 395, Doug and Nicole, the classics majors, emailed regarding Credence, and they comment on how they believe Grindelwald is lying about Credence's identity. And I agreed. They mentioned how Aurelius derives from the Latin word gold, and Credence is seen as Grindelwald's golden boy. This is what set my brain into research mode. It made me hypothesize the possibility that Credence is a product of alchemy, that Credence is actually a homunculus. Hear me out. Credence is searching so desperately for the truth to his lineage, but maybe the truth is that he was not birthed in the same way as you and me. I know it sounds crazy. There are a lot of things about this idea that I can't actually answer because I'm not an alchemist, but homunculi are mentioned in other fantasy universes in different ways. So who's to say that J.K. Rowling has a version of a homunculi (laughs) with her own set of alchemic rules? I was actually inspired by the rules of alchemy founded in Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, a 2009 anime based off the manga which began publishing in 2001. I believe that introducing Nicholas Flamel in the Fantastic Beasts uh, Crimes of Grindelwald is a big deal and a sign that there is more alchemy to come. After thinking it through, I don't think the brief glimpse we saw of, of the stone in the film was simply an Easter egg for moviegoers and Potter fans. What we know of the Philosopher's Stone is that it can create the elixir of life, but it can also build upon life and, for the sake of my argument, create life. In alchemy, gold is portrayed as a perfect metal. Thus, Aurelian equates to perfect human, which makes him a golden being to Grindelwald. Therefore, Credence, in in this theory, is a byproduct of alchemy created by Dumbledore and Grindelwald in their attempts to become the masters of death. What better way to master death than to create a golden being that is immortal and thus able to withstand the destruction of an Obscurus? I use the word immortal in quotes because I don't necessarily think that he is a true immortal being, but if he is a homunculus, created from the Philosopher's Stone, then it is possible that he is infused with parts of the stone, that the part of the stone that was infused with him is part of his magical core. In this way, he is not completely immortal, can still age, he's just very hard to kill. This could explain why he is able to withstand the power of an Obscurus and why he has as much power as he does. Going off this theory, I also think that the blood pact that Dumbledore and Grindelwald made wasn't a form of magic by the likes we know of in the Potterverse, but as a form of alchemy, it's possible that Dumbledore says he might be able to destroy the blood pact because he'll eventually need Nicholas Flamel's assistance due to his expertise in alchemy. Wow. All of those points by Alyssa. That's very, 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 very well thought through. Yeah, definitely. And I'm glad I didn't have to say homunculus. <laughs> <laughs> there you did. <laughs> 
that was so long i actually went to the bathroom and came back while you were reading oh, that. well uh, in case you missed something there's something going on with alchemy and this oh i, I oh, read okay. it yeah i'm, yeah. I'm good I, I this would help ex- first of all i agree with Micah. it's very well thought out and i agree this would help explain why flamel is in this series i mean it would make perfect sense yeah it would be interesting to see if he's also planning to appear in the next movie as we start to get you know casting information for it uh and then eric your quizits question I know was about the magical school in Brazil, and that is where we're going next, according to J.K. Rowling, and that one of the skills that is taught at that school is alchemy. Alchemy. Hmm. Gee, you almost as if I knew where that was headed. Huh. Um, but yes. Very interesting. Yeah. And and J.K. Rowling's name choices again, uh, Aurelius being of gold in Latin, the golden boy. Um, Grindelwald also refers to him several times in the film as my boy, uh, as if he created him in a lab with Albus. So there's definitely um, the Hogwarts professor, John Granger, and uh, YouTube. There's an article I found. If you search Fantastic Beasts and Homunculus, you'll get a little bit more into the into the weeds um, theorizing. But I think it's possible that. Dumbledore and Grindelwald created a person either to house uh, Ariana's Obscurus um, to sort of keep it at bay uh, or for some other purposes, uh, maybe due to their connection to each other, they somehow created a human being and that that human being is Credence. It would make Credence not Dumbledore's brother, but sort of like his kid. I don't know. Pretty weird, but... Using how we're looking at how other series like um, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood utilize alchemy to, uh, you know, in their stories to do these crazy things with with science. Um, it's not that far fetched. It doesn't seem far fetched at all for something like this to uh, have occurred. Everything seems to be coming together, converging for that third movie. Brazil, Full Metal. Yeah, through through no help of J.K. Rowling, by the way. Well, through the help of some very observant listeners. Yeah, exactly. Well, on that note, thank you, everybody, for listening. Special shout out to everybody who has helped us reach this landmark episode. It's still so hard to believe that we've done 400 of these now. We would not be weekly or even twice monthly right now if it weren't for our patrons so thank you to everybody who supports us at patreon.com slash mugglecast we have lots of benefits there if you pledge today you will get access to many of them including a bonus mugglecast recorded during this week's episode we also uh, stream each recording live we're sending out a physical gift every year you have early access to our show notes we have an exclusive Facebook group. You can uh, participate in a discussion topic. Like this week, we had uh, questions for Laura. There's a lot going on there. We have a really great, um, very active community at patreon.com slash mugglecast. And we'll be introducing some new benefits and such there this year. I mean, it, it 2018 was a really great year for Mugglecast. The new album art, our Patreon growing. We, we had tons of support. We... Welcomed a lot of new listeners. We welcomed a new co-host. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And we have every reason to think that 2019 is going to be an equally great year. So, Laura, it's great to have you back. You did fantastic. I think we'll keep you. (laughs) Oh, boy. What if after recording we were like, Laura, I I don't know. Um, well, we already agreed. The paperwork has been signed. To my presence for this year, so paperwork's been done. <laughs> except there is no paperwork, except for like a few emails, so... Well, it would hold up in court, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Look at these Gmails. Look at these. This is as good, a, good as a contract. No, I'm kidding. Well, you did fantastic, and we're so glad to have you back on. I'm glad to be back. Good. Everything's great. Everything is freaking great. I know. Pottermore's tweeting about going to the bathroom. I think that was a great start to the new year. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening. Just a, a plug, again, for uh, MuggleCast.com. All of the information you need concerning the show can be found there. We have a complete episode archive. Ooh, by the way, here's a fun addition. We are now available on Pandora. If you use Pandora... Mm-hmm. Check us out there. They have a new podcast section, and we are a part of that. We're actually hoping that that's going to bring in a lot of new listeners as well, because Pandora is making recommendations to people there. And if Pandora knows you like Harry Potter, maybe because you listen to the Harry Potter soundtracks on there, I don't know, you will uh, get a recommendation for MuggleCast. So check us out over on Pandora. No matter where you listen, if you could leave a review for us, if that feature is available in your podcasting app, we would really appreciate that. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm uh, Micah. And I'm Laura. See everybody next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.